Hey, is this thing on? Are we recording? Can I get a tech person? Oh, for the love of ed tech. If you're tasked with managing hundreds or thousands of student Chromebooks, you'll want to check out our sponsor, Visor. Visor is a Chromebook and IT asset management software solution designed specifically for school districts. To find out how Visor can help your school manage Chromebooks and get 20% off, go to visor.cloud slash loveedtech. That's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash loveedtech. Or click the link in the show notes. Thanks, Visor. Joining us today is Guy Fry, who is a K-6 through media specialist. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to talk to you about some of the cool things you've got going on. Mm -hmm. But before we get to it, can you just tell us a little bit about what led you to your current status in education? Yeah, of course. So uh, I come from a long line of educators, one of those families where everybody's always had the summers off and kind of done the teaching thing. So I followed in everybody's footsteps, started off teaching in Kentucky, second grade, moved to fifth grade, somewhere in there, got my administrator's license, but still haven't really done anything with it. Maybe about 10 years ago, an opening came up at a new elementary school and it was a technology opening. So, you know, we used to have those old technology computer labs. So I ran that for a couple years, K-5. My family's all in Ohio. So eventually, six years ago, I jumped the river into this role at a K-6 through building. We've got about just under 700 kids, I believe, this year. And it's a media specialist role. So it's the media class, media slash library. As part of the unified arts rotation, kids come to me for 45 minutes a week. And it's just a fantastic role for me when they hired me. They were looking for hands-on. They were looking for STEM and computer science, makerspace. We evolved and created a whole new makerspace when I got here, which was really exciting. So I was able to kind of create it and um, form it and mold it into what they were looking for and to what I really enjoy doing. So I've been here for six years and have been so happy because I feel like I've been able to really create and build kind of the vision that we had for it. And it's just so fun. The kids really enjoy it. And it's just, uh, it's very engaging. Yeah, it sounds like it. What are some of the things that you are doing in your media space? So the media, the media space, I've really tried to make it hands-on since COVID. Tried to stay a little bit away from that technology. So, Ah. and when I say technology right now, I just mean the Chromebook screens. Um, Mm -hmm. Try to make sure that we're using them in ways that kids are engaged. For example, this week we're doing some World Cup themed activities. So kids are using their Chromebooks, but they're using them to connect through Bluetooth to our Dash robots to create an algorithm where they have to create a penalty shot and they have a soccer ball and then Dash tries to score a goal on the other Dash robot, which has an algorithm programmed into it to try and be the goalie. So the last couple years since COVID really just tried to think of some hands-on things where kids aren't just seeing the screen move, but they're they're seeing a product, they're seeing um, kind of manipulative in front of them that's actually changing. Last week, we had an engineering challenge where students had to build a tower on top of a soccer ball. 
So oh, wow. The, yeah, a little different, a little different than your normal build your tallest tower because now all of a sudden they're dealing with a rounded surface. So yeah, kind of oh makes them think a little bit differently, but you know, collaboratively thinking on their toes. Most everything I do is group based. So, you know, they're always always having to communicate, work through their problems. But, yeah, which is great. And on that topic, I just am curious, do you have any tips or for educators on that group piece and how to, you know, promote good collaboration where you have those students that maybe are hesitant to get involved or you have the leaders who want to just do it all themselves or do you, how do you manage that aspect of things? I try to prepare for those issues beforehand. Uh, So when we did the engineering challenge, Last week, we'll do one about once every couple of weeks. I'll get all the materials. So, you know, by December, students have had four or five big engineering challenges on the spot. Come into my class, take your risks, see what happens. Nobody's going to get upset if it doesn't stay up. So we've kind of set those expectations, Mm -hmm. right, that the only ones who fail are the ones that are just going to give up and watch the other groups do it. So we set that off the bat, but we do talk about grade level appropriate expectations. You know, first grade, second grade, how do you compromise? What happens if your idea doesn't get picked? What if you both have a good idea? How do you combine your strengths? So we spend a couple minutes before each building time, each challenge, just kind of picking something that we're going to work on, you know, some kind of quality, one of those, what are they, soft skills, they call them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So everything kind of has a little bit of a purpose and then that grows and grows and then it grows from year to year to year. So now my sixth graders who have been doing these engineering challenges since they were in first grade, you know, you you see a big difference. You you, you see a lot of good communication. You see a lot of you see less red faces, less frustration. So, yeah, which that's that is one of the beauties, I guess, about too having them year after year Mm -hmm. is they're building that skill set and they know kind of what your expectations are year to year to year. I mean, the kids just, they're so into it and you find that you, a lot of times you lose some of those behavior issues when kids are fully engaged and excited about something like that. A couple of times in the past, I've had classes where you have some students who are overeager and we'll talk a little more about roles then. You know, maybe we'll have the gopher and we'll have the secretary and, you know, kind of all those things where everyone to make sure that everybody is a part of it. And somebody's just not taken, taken over. Those skills are going to help them for longer than just their school years. You use drones. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Can you just talk a little bit about how that got started and what you do with drones? Yeah, of course. A couple of years ago, they said that like 80% of, and I'm just going to make something up because I don't know what the actual number was, but it was like yeah. 60% or 80% of the jobs that our kids in elementary school will have, have not been invented yet. Mm-hmm. You know that one? So yeah. mm-hmm. I've always yeah. really taken that and just, I absolutely love that. I love that little statistic or fact or whatever. And I have used drones as kind of the future ready futurology portion of um, the elementary school, kind of of my curriculum. We've done different things. The first year I was here, we district wide introduced an innovation day where 
it was a little bit different for each school, but our school chose, we were really kind of into the futurology stuff, the self-driving cars. You know, this was 2017, so the Tesla mm -hmm. was kind of new. I was new to my role. So, you know, I had kids who could show off the robots and, you know, the Dash and the Spheros. And I think I still had Ozobots then, that kind of stuff. And then drones was always one that people were very interested in. So my first year or two, we just kind of used it to showcase some of the technology and kind of the ever-changing world. As the years went on, I started to focus that into... I try and keep my units under a month long just with snow days and stuff. So this was a three-week unit called the Drone Zone. And every two or three years, I'll repeat it with my fourth through sixth graders. Okay. And it has some drone research. How are drones being used? We'll look at some videos that are super engaging, like they have the firefighter drones now. Oh, yeah. And the lifeguard drones who can fly out into the ocean and drop an inflatable. Yeah, that's awesome. Did, yeah, that yeah. is that's cool. Knows. I haven't either. I mean, if if you start looking into drone use and future drone use, as soon, and this is what we tell the kids, as soon as they figure out how to extend the battery life, they are going to be everywhere. They're just going to be everywhere. There is a use in every industry. We talk about farming and how drones can be used. One year we had a parent come in who had a drone company that they had started. And he came and spoke to the students, came and flew his drones. And he worked in security for off-site oil drilling machines, like in the ocean. Oh, wow. So you've wow. got like those offsite, I don't know what they're called, in the water, like the oil drilling yeah. rigs. Yeah. And they were having, you know, these oil companies were hiring security to be out there just to observe. Oh, to just monitor. Just to monitor. Yeah. And they were, you know, taking the boat out, taking the boat back or the helicopter or whatever it was. So he used, he purchased these drones and somehow got in touch and it was to solve the battery issue it was tethered to a battery so it was always powered on and uh, it just kind of flew above the oil rig and just kind of monitored that is interesting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I, really like cool. you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't think about that like needing some sort of security or mm -hmm. you know monitoring device for something like that but yeah yeah it makes total total sense so he came out and had his drones we took him outside he was doing an aerial pictures of the school and showing everybody and was really into it. Funny story, he actually came. We've got a little airport near our school on the east side of Cincinnati. And he came out and was doing uh -oh. his drone, taking footage of the school for our principal. And he came in and he goes, oh, I forgot. He said, I just got a message through like the FAA or whatever, because he was fully registered as a drone pilot. That That was the day Trump was flying in. Oh, so Air no. Force One was getting ready to come over and he got some kind of alert on his phone or something. He said, I probably shouldn't do this because they've got yeah. all, the, all the monitoring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But we do all kinds of stuff. We let the kids explore. They dive in on their own. The big one for us that really brought it home to kids about how drones could be used was the ring camera security system. Oh, yeah. Oh. I think it was last Christmas. They have a new security system where if somebody rings your doorbell or you press a button on the app on your phone, it's actually a drone camera that will then fly all through your house and it can monitor. You don't have to have 
extra what? cameras. You just have, there's a drone in your home that kind of just flies around. So that was the one where I think it really clicked with kids that it was going to be something that they might see. They might actually yeah, see these types of. Yeah, in their own lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all really awesome and fun. We take that futurology and then we talk about some of the negative uses. We'll just kind of breach with the older students, the intermediate kids, just kind of how it's used in the military and how it can be used for surveillance. But then we also talk about things like how could it just be annoying? Like what if it was just advertising, <laughs> you know, what yeah. if, which will happen, you know, there will when yeah. they solve that battery, you're going to have the drones in the grocery store that are going to be at in the grocery store parking lot or the Walmart parking lot that are just going to be yeah. We're going to have this awesome new technology and it's going to tell you ground beef's on sale or something. Yeah. I feel like there's something like that in Back to the Future. Yeah, probably. He's like out walking around now. and there's like these things yep. coming up at him trying to advertise. Yeah. That'll, mm -hmm. that'll for sure happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, and it will uh, and, be annoying. Oh, definitely. Oh my God. But somebody will make a bunch of money off of it. Uh-huh. Yep. So, yeah. All that stuff. The drone light shows are kind of popping up now. It's kind of replacing fireworks in other countries. I think Asia now is all just these huge drone shows. You see it at the opening ceremonies cool. for the Olympics and stuff. So, Yeah, I was going to ask if they did any, if the kids did anything like that with the lights. Because I'm always impressed with the programming and the coordination oh, yeah. of all of those drone shows. Our, no, our drones, talking about battery life, our drones, I use the Parrot Rolling Spider. And it's called the Parrot Rolling Spider because it's got these big bumpers on the side of it, which kind of okay. prevent it from causing too much damage when it runs into the walls, which happens all the time. But <laughs> I can imagine. They, Parrot has now gone out of business, or not out of business, but they're not selling those smaller drones anymore. They're kind of into mm -hmm. the more uh, couple hundred dollar, the more yeah. professional ones for photography and stuff like that. I think my drones, when I started buying them, were probably only 60 or 70 bucks a piece. Yeah. Oh, so not bad. Reasonable. Not bad. No, it, I think now they're, I think you can get them for around 90. Okay. When I was browsing okay. before this, I, I looked to see what the cost was. It's right around a hundred dollars yeah. for a drone. Which I mean, still is. It's not inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. So a grand or something for a thousand dollars, all of a sudden you got 10 drones in your classroom. That's pretty awesome. But yeah, the, which we can't do too much with them because, you know, they're kind of fit in the palm of your hand. Kind of what you'd see at the kiosk at the mall it runs on an app, but the battery life is only eh, eight to nine minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a big battery life get. problem. Oh, yeah. That's, as, <laughs> that's about that. as much as you can get. Well, the batteries, <laughs> the batteries can't weigh too much. Because it's got to be up in the air. Okay. Uh, yeah, right? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's why they keep saying, and I keep saying, it's all, as soon as we build a better battery, that's when this technology is going to blow up. I saw recently 100,000 jobs in unmanned aircrafts will be open. They'll be vacant and left vacant by 2025. Wow. And that's still, that's still knowing that there's a battery issue. But as soon as they make a smaller, lighter battery, that's when. I mean, it's just going to be an ex exponential growth. Yeah. So the challenges and stuff, do you do a lot of them indoors? Depending on the weather. We tend to, okay. the last couple of years, we go out back and I'll grab some hula hoops and stands and we'll kind of put up some drone racing courses. Fun. Um, and just kind of let the kids go around in an open area without trees or the school roof. 
Yeah. So they kind yeah. Of, and we talk safety and we do all that stuff. I've done it inside a couple times. Part of my drone zone project was we try and connect it to real life. So we pretend that we're part of the United Nations and we're doing supply drops, but we kind of throw the old riddle in where one drop has to go here on one side, but then two can't be left alone together. You know, the old riddle where it's like the man, the fox, the chicken and the seeds or something like that, where they have to figure out that little brain teaser. So we do something like that where it's a supply drop and you've got to fly over the bookcase and then you hand the iPad to the next person and then they they pilot it over. Just trying to make any connection we can. Yeah, I like that. Not only the real world connection, but I like the transition of not one student being like the dedicated pilot Mm -hmm. like you're relying on everybody's skill yeah yeah everyone everyone gets a chance to so it makes it fair because everybody's really eager to fly the drones that's cool my the drones i bought they were all remote controlled downloaded it on the app on my ipads so they just kind of have the little joysticks on the ipads but they're making them now there's a company called robolink and I, okay. I'm sure there's more now, but they have the drones that's drag and drop programming. So oh, not cool. only do you have nice. the drones for your classroom, but there's programming involved. So that, really that'll cool. be my next purchase. That'll be my yeah. next purchase. Because my drones are, man, they're beat up. Well, beat I, up. yeah. Do, do you make the kids go through some sort of like training or like completion before they're allowed pilot's to? License. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what we do. Yeah, we called it last year. We called it our uh, you had to get your pilot's license. And that was all just me slowly learning over the years what kind of stuff pops up because it's kind of uncharted yeah. territory to let kids all of a sudden start flying things in your classroom. Mm-hmm. So you don't you the first year or two, you don't even know what in the world to expect. You don't even know what kind. You can kind of assume what's going to happen. But, I mean, things pop up. Batteries go out. Somebody kind of gets in a disagreement. All of a sudden, you lose two minutes of battery. What happens when you're flying and all of a sudden the HVAC turns on and now you've got a draft seven feet up in the air? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, all kinds of little things tend to pop up. But I have never had, I've never had an issue, really. I Well... Another funny story. I had two <laughs> girls and part of our one of our innovation days, they wanted to create a lesson to share with another class about drone use and how to use the drones at our school for some of the younger kids. So they would come into the media center during lunch and I'd kind of sit in the corner and eat and answer my emails. I went out in the hallway to fill up my water bottle and came back in and the girls were just kind of had their eyes big and they were just kind of looking at me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what happened? And one of the girls turned her head. And that drone was just right all in her hair. hair. Oh, no. Sixth grade girl. And I just, my eyes got big. And it was actually really easy for it to come out. It didn't. It didn't cause any. Yeah. We didn't have to cut it out or smear it with peanut butter. It just kind of came out. She's a senior now. And I just saw her again. She had come to school for something. And she said, do you remember that one time at lunch? And I went. How could I forget? The drone flew in your hair. Yeah. How could I forget that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How funny. The only time it's ever happened. Yeah. That's it. I mean, the kids, when they get, they know they're about to fly a drone. Mm -hmm. The last thing they want to do is lose that opportunity at school. Yeah, right. oh, I can imagine. So, so it kind of keeps everybody on their best. What's the criteria for them receiving their pilot's license? We go through drone care. 
expectations of our classroom. Okay. Always noise level for me. I'm in a I'm in one of those media centers where I don't really have walls, and there's about oh. four classrooms and six offices that overlook my area. Oh wow! So yeah. a lot of times the excitement <laughs> we got to bring it down. Yeah. Um, so we have to talk a little bit about that. How to handle the drones? How to connect them through Bluetooth to your iPad? How to fly them? Land soft landings? What Oops. to do? Emergency procedures? Which is nice because they all have like a button of landing button. You just land it. Yeah, just yeah. kind of, we do about, it's probably about 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not too much. Because I, I only see kids once a week, so I got to, we got to right. be Right, can't dedicate multiple. Yeah, well, and 45 minutes goes really quick. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and then, you know, carry over with kids. You know, yeah. seven days later, that's a yeah. lifetime. Yeah. That's a lifetime. So, yeah, we get, try and get the actual flying and the pilot's license is all done in one day. Oh, that's awesome. So I, I've done in the past couple of years a three-week unit. Unit one is just kind of an introduction. It's student-led research. I'll throw a couple drone types up on the board. I'll throw a couple uses for drones. And then I'll just kind of let them go on their own. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just kind of doing some self-guided research. And then I've got some Google Forms that have them watch those videos of like the firefighter drones or the personal security drones or the farmer drones and how, you know, for the farmer drones, um, they can, the drones will fly over the field mm-hmm. and they'll just have a camera on them. But then the camera is monitoring plant size, plant color, plant health, soil moisture, all those things. I never even thought about that before, but like my uncle's a farmer. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, that's exactly what he does. He uses his drone to monitor crops. And yeah, and I never even thought about that before, but I'm like, oh my gosh, how smart. You can monitor acres and acres of land in half the time. Yeah. Yeah. Time's so valuable. Yeah. So, and then check on problem areas where they know like, you know, there's consistent flooding or. Yeah. I didn't even think about it because I'm not a farmer. So the drone is just kind of carrying the actual computer tech that's doing the doing the real work kids always have interest in that in the future aspect of it then you know of course the kids want to know can a person fly in a drone will the drones will there be uber drones oh that all comes down to that battery and the power of the power of a lift amazon in is doing some drone packaging stuff where they're delivering drones so yeah, well, they. I think they started in England and London. They yeah. must have, outside of London, they must have less guidelines. Because in the United States, the FAA is really strict. It's, it's very, <laughs> your airspace is very strict and important. So I think in Europe, it might be a little less regulated because I've, I've seen things where Domino's delivers pizzas in some areas by huh. drone. Oh, um, interesting. Oh you know, it's you great to, to talk about. That's what I want to It's know. great to talk about with kids because, you know, what happens when your cat's yeah. in the backyard? Right. What happens if somebody doesn't want the drone flying over their house? Like all these yeah. all these questions oh were just uh, our our kids are going to probably be the ones answering those questions. Do you think that there's any like connection between kids that play video games and an affinity to these drones like are some of those skills that they're acquiring playing video games and manipulating characters with a controller and things like that do those transfer at all yeah and you 
you're working in that 3D environment, right? Right. So yeah. that's one of the cool things, too, about my classes. We'll, we'll throw some Minecraft computers out sometimes. Okay. And the kids yeah. are building in that 3D world, which is awesome. Yeah. But then when you then incorporate drones, then you're really in that 3D world, right? That yeah. real life kind of perceptions and eye tracking and motor movements. So yeah, I, th- I right. think it definitely, definitely comes into play. Yeah. I didn't really even think about that. Yeah. Cause I guess too, like, do you do 3D printing too in the media? I do a little bit of 3D printing. I have a 3D printer. Because I just uh, wondered, I mean, I guess that's kind of a similar, just on the design aspect of designing yeah, in yeah. a 3D environment like Minecraft and yeah. Mm-hmm. Using Tinkercad, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Teachers, you can now earn contact hours toward grad credit for listening to the podcast. Visit for the love of edtech.org for more information. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you like our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to get notified when new episodes are released. For more information about our podcast and to access links and resources referenced in this episode, check us out at fortheloveofedtech.org.